so much, Peter, and uh, thank you so much, worship team, Nayeen, everyone who's been a part of things. Now, as I said, I know I am not the main event today. Um, I want to make sure that we've got plenty of time for the kids at the end of service. And my microphone is just a tiny bit too loud. Thank you. You already, you already knew it was too loud, didn't you, Eric? Let me say to everybody, y'all go ahead and be dismissed to go to the back. If you're a teenager, go ahead and go on back. Uh, Eric is with you, and he'll be teaching you guys. So thank you all for being a part up to this point. And uh, go ahead and dismiss them to be a part of services back there. And if you do have your scriptures, if you do have your Bible app open still, uh, there to Luke chapter 1, we'll be referring back to that, and uh, we'll be sharing some of that up on the screen. And uh, we've got plenty of time uh, for the kids at the end of service. Uh, and so uh, the thing to do is to never put um, the best part of the service at the early part of the service, you know. So we're building to this, all the cuteness and the sweetness and all the awesomeness coming up, so... Let's begin here. <clears throat> As we have talked a little bit and shared over the last few weeks, we've talked about the one to remember, and we've talked about Christmas being the thrill of hope, that O Holy Night line that gives us some insight into exactly what God was doing when he sent his son to be with us here, Emmanuel, God with us. It says, the thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And the whole idea and concept there is the, the whole thought that ultimately, without Christ coming into this world, there is an absence of hope. But if we are able to see what Christ did when he came into this world, it gives us a whole new perspective on everything that we see, everything that we experience, and it truly is that thrill of hope that can change our outlook and our attitude about everything that we encounter. So as we go to our one to remember that I share with you guys, I try to give you guys a scripture. If you're interested in remembering a scripture, memorizing something, it usually will fit all throughout the time that we are in a certain series. And the one to remember that we've had for this Christmas series is, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And I underlined that part there where it says, good news of great joy, that will be for what? All the people. It is not for those who are at the upper end of the educational or the, the economic ladder. It is for everyone. And as I read the scriptures, and it's a funny thing, man, I've been reading these scriptures for years, and I visit Matthew chapter 1 and 2 with Christ's birth, and Luke chapter 1 and 2 with Christ's birth, and we go back and forth and talk about those things every single year. There's just so much there, but it is crazy how each and every year something new jumps out at me and touches me in a different way. And the thing that has been jumping out to me so much this year is that all of the people, and that whole concept of how Christ most certainly came for everyone, no matter where they were on the economic ladder, no matter where they were in the world, no matter where they were in, in the social status or educational status or any of that stuff. But he definitely went way out of his way to make sure that those who had been pushed to the side and those who had been forgotten and had no honor given to them because of what they brought to the table... Christ went way out of his way to include them in the, uh, in the announcement of Christ's birth as well as the time where Christ was born. 
everyone in that story, for the most part, is an incredibly normal, ordinary, common individual. And when I say that, this could be seen as something that I'm saying that's a negative. That's not at all what I'm saying. Uh, because honestly, I look at you guys and I look at me and we're just normal, everyday people trying to live our lives, trying to move through this world and make a living, make a family, make a life for ourselves. And we're not the, the rich and the famous and all of those things that our world seems to honor so highly. But it's always interesting to me to watch how when you could choose anyone in the world to be your parents, we, you could choose your own lineage and the people that you come from, your own people, so to speak, all of the different things that you could choose if you were the Son of God who came into this world knowing all of these things are according to your plan and your you know, way, you choose the most common and ordinary people to be your people. You choose the line that he chose not because it was prestigious, but because it was just like everyone else. And jumping out to me over and over in this story is how often Christ is saying, I am one of you. Now, there's not royalty anywhere in this story except for Herod, who is the biggest villain in the story. The closest that we come other to, uh, than Herod is the wise men who had to figure it out on their own and did not receive the special invitation that the shepherds received. You guys with me? And so ultimately, all of these things remind us that God went way out of his way to be a part of the common, the ordinary, the everyday people that he came to live with, to die for, and to save their souls. And so if we miss that, we've missed a lot of the Christmas story. And so... This is why we can have a thrill of hope. It's not what we bring to the table, but it is the one who came and invited us to his table, right, that makes this a special time of year. We don't come with this great and marvelous resume so that God might accept us. We come just as we are, no matter who our background uh, is involved with, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, he invites us to be a part of royal family that he has open to all of the ordinary common folks like you and like me. So this is why we can have this thrill of hope even in this time because it reminds us that the Savior of the world came for us and for people just like you and me. Now, as we keep moving, um, I'll just go ahead and go on to this God-given hope, and I want to share it with you very quickly. We talked about how God gives hope in this Christmas story, and these are some of the places that we've already been. But Israel was wondering if God had forgotten because he hadn't been heard of or heard from for 400 years. He breaks his silence. Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, that priest and his wife, uh, Zach and Liz, that's all I could fit on the line, okay? All right, very good. So Zechariah and Elizabeth, but she is barren no more, a woman who was well past childbearing years and yet had a child, John the Baptist. Joseph, he had that thrill of hope that Mary has been faithful. An angel told me to not be afraid to take her as my wife, even though every appearance on the outside seems like I should not. 
he had that opportunity. The wise men, they say, we've traveled so far to see a king. They brought gifts that prophesied about who he would be, the prophet, the priest, and the one who would lay down his life as the savior of the world. This is how God gives us hope. And these are four, but there are two more I want to just share with you. The shepherds, a reminder that God cares about the common man. And then that unknown part of Luke chapter 2, maybe you've read it, maybe you've heard it preached on, but Simeon is kind of a, a forgotten man in the story. But in Luke chapter 2, verse 22 through 40, Simeon is there whenever Jesus is brought here uh, and dedicated as a child. And he says, Sovereign Lord, you can now dismiss your servant in peace because my eyes have seen the promise the promised one of Israel has now been here and I'm ready to pass because I've seen the completion of this chapter. And so Simeon says, God kept his promises to me, but then he also says something very interesting. He says something to Mary that I'll talk a little bit more about and read to you later on. He basically says, this is not gonna be an easy road for you, Mary, but it will be worth it. And we'll talk more about that as we go on. Let's keep going to our next slide. And here is our something to learn. Luke had a more Gentile audience for his gospel focused on Mary's side of the birth story of Jesus. And Mary was very likely a young lady when all this took place. In that time, a Jewish girl was usually married age 14 to 17 in an arranged marriage to an older man like Joseph likely was by her parents for family reasons or monetary reasons. And nothing royal about these folks. They were just common, ordinary people. But... It's kind of crazy. Now, did any of you guys get married young in your life? Any of y'all get married young? And now Shelly better raise her hand because we were crazy. We were absolute fools for getting married as young as we did. I don't know. Do any of you guys get married younger than 22? Can I see your hands? Any of you? Any of you get married younger than 21? Any of you get married younger than 20? Y'all are insane. What were you thinking? That's all I got to say. Now, there's, there's no judgment here because I, I was just about 20 years old and Shelly was 19 years old when we got married and we had it all figured out. That's what was different about us than everybody else, right? Right, you, you know, we were super mature, just nobody else was. It was just us, right? If you have that same thing going on, oh, we were just so ready to get busy with our lives and keep moving. Can you imagine Mary having this angelic visit that Peter read about just a little bit ago. And she hears that she's going to be the one who bears the Christ child, the promised Messiah that's been promised for literally over a thousand years. And it's going to be her that carries the baby in her womb and gives birth to this child. And she's probably about 15 years old when she gets this bit of news. And then for her to say, I will do it, and I will submit to God's plan for my life. It is really an incredible thing. And this is what I'm talking about. There's no royalty happening here. It's common, ordinary, everyday people that God is putting his hand on their shoulders and saying, I want you to be a part of the redemption story. And no bigger part to play than Mary who is next to Jesus and on, you know, on his team and by his side for the rest of his life. And so it is an incredible, amazing thing to think about this young girl submitting to God's plan as difficult as it possibly was. But this is where we come to the big idea that I want to share with you guys. And this is it. 
The big idea is that Christ's birth give hope for ordinary people to impact the world and the lives of others. In other words, if somebody like Mary and Joseph, just common ordinary people, if somebody like the shepherds got a special invitation and special visitations through dreams and angelic appearances, this is God's way of proclaiming as loudly as he possibly can, it is not about you, it is about me. It is about what I'm doing in this world. And so for you and for me, we do not have to be perfect. We do not need to have our lives perfectly together. We do not have to be people who have everything figured out to submit to the plan of God and allow God to work in us and through us. Are you guys with me? Y'all understand? Can I get an amen on that? It's you and I people just like us who make changes in people's lives, not because of our goodness, but because the goodness of God indwells us and we have submitted to his plan rather than taking our lives by our own hands and saying, no, 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 I've got this figured out. Let me be the one who steers. So ultimately, if you want something different happening in your life, if you want to see something different happening in your world, The person that's probably going to do that, it ain't going to be somebody who got elected. I'm sorry, it's probably not. It's going to be somebody who rolled up their sleeves and got connected to other people, common ordinary people who connected to other common ordinary people and begin to use God's power rather than their own to see a change happen in their life. Can I get an amen on that? Amen? So here's what I'm putting on you today. Here's what I'm kind of resting on your shoulders If you want to see a change in your family, it's up to you. Not to have the power, not to have all the answers, but to have the submission to God's plan in your life. If you want to see something different happening in our world, again, I say it's up to you with all of those caveats. It's not about you and me figuring it out. It's about God putting his hands on us pushing us towards the right path so that things begin to change with his power, not with our effort. And so here we see that over and over and over again, God makes choices of common people to make a difference in our everyday world. And let me tell you something. I know my role. My role here is to encourage it from behind this pulpit, but the real change in your life does not happen here or here. It happens out there. We talk about it. We, we encourage. We pray. We give direction. We give clarity on God's truth, which is enough to change our world and our lives. But it doesn't change anything until we change something outside of these square footages here. You understand what I'm saying? If it gets out there and you start living it in your world with your friends, with your family, with your relatives, that's when things begin to change in your circle and in your world. But if it does not ever get past the doors of this church, then nothing will ever change. It is truly up to you and to me, not because we have to manufacture it, but because we have to submit to God's plan and let it be and let us bring it about. One more amen. How about it? Amen. All right. Very good. So you guys, if you would, please 
The big idea, I always have you guys say it out loud with me, so at least you've heard it three times, okay? So here we go. I'm going to count to three, and then you guys jump in with me, and let's say the big idea together. On the count of three, ready? One, two, three. Christ's birth gives hope for ordinary people to impact the world and the lives of others. So for just a moment, I wonder if there's a situation that you have in your life that is frustrating, aggravating, disappointing, and discouraging. And if that is true, I want to encourage you that that may not be the intention of God. It may not be that He wants you frustrated, disappointed, or discouraged. It may be the need that you feel that is intended to have you turn from within and turn towards Him. You guys understand what I'm saying? Because we all have this happen. Something in our world has us discouraged, hurt, angry, frustrated, disappointed, wishing it would be different. And usually we begin to think, well, what can I do? What can I do? What should I do? When ultimately what we are called to do is say, God, where are you working and let me partner with you. I don't want to create it. I don't need to make it or manufacture it. I need to find where you are moving and then partner with you in that place. That is where we are supposed to be whenever it comes to God's goodness and His plan in our lives. So if you have something that qualifies, like I just mentioned in that little list, frustrating, disappointing, discouraging, something that's making you mad, something that you say to yourself, it should be different somehow, then I encourage you, instead of saying somebody ought to, instead ask, well, what would God have me to do in this situation? Now let's talk a little bit further, go a little deeper in Mary's situation. Let's go to our next slide. As we look here from Luke chapter 1, Elizabeth exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. I want you to look very closely at the end of that Blessed is she or he who believes that there will be a fulfillment of what was spoken to him or her from the Lord. This is faith and hope meeting. You guys understand? It is the truth that, that basically faith is believing in something that has not yet happened. As I shared a couple of weeks ago, that great quote by Philip Yancey, faith is believing in advance what will only make sense when seen in reverse. I love that quote. I've committed it to memory because I believe that is something that faith seems like this special kind of you know, spiritual term, but to put a handle on it, it just means I believe in advance, even before I see God at work, I believe that God is working. It's that, that Waymaker song that we sing all the time, even when I don't see it, you guys know the next line, he's still working, even when I don't feel it, he's working, because he's always working on our behalf. And so this is exactly what we see 
in this passage of Scripture, but it's also what we see in Hebrews 11. It's what we see in Romans chapter 4. It's on the next slide, and I'm just going to keep going here, but you can kind of read faster than I can. But against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. He was the father of faith in many ways, and that is exactly what we are called to be, people of faith. So how do you live in hope? As we go to our next slide, how do we live in hope? I'm going to give you four things. I'll go a little deeper on these first couple. We're going to hit these pretty quickly. How do you live in hope? First of all, you have the priorities of joy. And what I mean by that is, is that basically that means Jesus first, others next, and yourself last. This is what we talk about. There's this old little song, Sunday school song, you know, J-O-Y, J-O-Y, tell you what it means. Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. Have any of y'all ever heard that? Any of y'all ever heard that? Bunch of sinners, man. Haven't y'all been to Sunday school? What's wrong with you? Oh, my goodness. All right. No, I'm kidding. Absolutely kidding. I'm a preacher's kid. I've heard every single church song ever, and I'm embarrassed of most of them. So here's the deal. If you put the priorities of J-O-Y in a different order, let me just share something with you. Because it's not just simply that your joy will fade, <laughs> because who's ever heard of Oja, right? I mean, it's, it's J-O-Y, joy. So here's the deal. If others come first, you will not only lose your joy, but you will become short-sighted, you will be shaken, and you will be selfish. There's other things, but more than likely, those are the things that will come to the forefront of who you are. And so if you put yourself first, that's where you'll be. Let's go to our next slide. Uh, no, go back one slide if you don't mind. When we look at others, if you put others first, we become frightened and we become frustrated because people always let us down and never seem to live up to what we wish they would do or be. Can I get an amen, right? So if they're the very first thing that you do, by the way, by the way, as great as these wonderful orphan kids are that we're helping to support, we're not supporting them because they're great people. We're supporting them because God said, take care of widows and orphans. So his command is what pushes us to move first, and then we found a great place and say, we want to be involved in this great ministry. But those kids, sometimes they grow up, they leave, and they live a life that we wish they wouldn't leave or live. And they become different people after they leave. Does that mean we stop? No. Why? Not, they're not first. They're not the reason. The reason is we follow Christ's directives. And so when we follow his directives first, even when others do not live up to what we wish they do and be, we don't stop doing the right thing because it wasn't for them first and foremost anyway. Can I get an amen on that? You understand what I'm saying? So ultimately, when I follow God's truth and his word, I do his directives first, not according to the people that deserve it, quote unquote, because ultimately none of us will ever live up to deserving it all the time, all right? So we've talked about joy, you put others first or you put yourself first, you become something very different, but if you put Christ first, others next, and then yourself last, you begin to order your life in a way that is pleasing to you you and to the Lord. All right, so let's keep moving here. How do you live in hope? You connect with others. Isn't it interesting that Mary, this young girl, hears that she is about to have an incredibly life-changing event, and she goes to a relative named Elizabeth. 
because she knows she's having something very special with God's plan happening in her own life. And she goes and she stays for months, probably right before or right after John the Baptist is born. She is there. And the baby leaps in Elizabeth's womb whenever she hears Mary's voice because Mary is carrying the Son of God. It is a special time. It is a beautiful reminder that God is involved in both of these women's lives, one very old and one very young, but still God is involved. So she connects with others. Now, if you want to live in hope, you absolutely have to connect with others. Because I'm just going to kind of slow down here and make a quick assumption. You want your world to be different and better than it is. And the only way that that happens is if something changes. And likely the only way something changes is if you begin to change. Whether that's more prayer, more committed to the Lord, God's power flowing in a different way. But if you want to see change, it's going to come through the Lord and it's going to come through you connecting with other people. As God gives his son to the world, he doesn't say, just do this and then kind of disconnect, you know, just do these things. No, no. He connects people over and over and over again and they overlap. Shepherds, come and see this thing that I'm telling you about. Wise men, come from a long way away and come and when you come, bring gifts that will probably pay the way for Egypt's trip that they will have to take. It's over and over connecting people to one another and to God's plan. If you are not connected to others in this world, the likelihood of things changing for the better goes way down. Because ultimately, we are the presence of Christ in many of our relationships. And if we're not doing it, who is? If we're not bringing God to the table, who is? If we're not the one who speaks up and says something different than the negative that we always hear, then who is that person that changes the temperature spiritually in other people's lives and in the interactions that you have? All right, I'm moving on. Let's keep going here. How do you live in hope? You make a positive impact the goal, not the size of the impact. Every single one of these people had a small part to play. They had a small role, and each one had just enough to obey and just enough to follow and just enough to do. And in the midst of it all, God was the one who was orchestrating it all. He was the master conductor bringing this thread with this thread and bringing it together in a beautiful tapestry. All of these unrelated things and events and people suddenly woven together to produce the greatest story ever told. It is a beautiful thing when God has his way with his people and he begins to push us. And instead of it being a shove, it's a submission. And we say, yes, Lord, I will do what you have called me to do. I will be a blessing in the way that you have enabled me to be a blessing. And folks, can I just say something? Most of the time, in my experience, people say, well, I would do it if it were this big of an impact. I would do it if it were involving in this many ways or this big thing or whatever it is. And yet when we read God's word, we hear that if we will be faithful in a few things, he will make us a part of many. He will make, be the one who says, now that you have the idea, now that you have the experience, now that you have the way to walk, let me expand your horizons to larger. 
And some of us act like doing God's work in our world is somehow beneath us if it's not making a big impact. And can I tell you something? You're just flat out wrong. (laughs) You're just flat out wrong. It does not matter at all that you have a small impact. If you will begin with a small one, God will choose what it looks like. It is God's plan and our obedience to God's plan that make it exactly what it ought to be. And for Mary, she submits. She says, may it be unto me as you have said. And for some of us, we stop right before the breakthrough that we need in our family. We quit because we don't see the impact or we don't see the impact and so we just say, well, I guess it really wasn't what I should have done. The truth of the matter is, is that God has us walking a path and we need to stay on it when we know we are being pushed there and put there by God. And we stay on it because God is the one who will give the increase and he has promised it will never return void when we are faithful to him. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's go on our how we live in hope here very quickly. Our final thing that I want to share with you. Oh, I went somewhere else, didn't I, Alicia? Okay, well, let's, let's find out where I went. Let's find out together. <laughs> Martin Luther King had an incredible quote. Everyone has the power for greatness, not for fame, but greatness, because greatness is determined by service. Isn't that awesome? That is where greatness lies. And what did Jesus say? And by the way, The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King so many times speaks about things in the the, the economy of Christ when he says, those who would be greatest among you must be the servant of all, right? And so this is exactly what he's saying. If you want to be great, you can be great. Every single one of us has that within us. Not that we would be famous, and God knows everybody in this world wants to be rich or famous or rich and famous, right? (laughs) But the truth is, is what a big impact it would make if everybody who calls themselves Christians would stop trying to be rich and famous and start, try to start making an impact in their world for people and for others and for God. If we changed our view, our world would begin to change. But most of us have our views so closely aligned with the world's that it's almost indistinguishable indistinguishable is not an easy word to say, especially when you're preaching, all right? But it's almost indistinguishable. We've got to get in there and do what God has called us to do and be great by the service that we have. So I hadn't really decided I was going to talk about this, but let me just share it very, very quickly with you. Very quickly. I remember where we went and visited a... a a very, very, very poor colonia, a very, very poor area down in Mexico. And um, it was just a difficult day, and yet it was probably one of the best days of my life. You and others here helped. Um, This was right before all the cartel violence got really, really crazy, and it made it almost impossible to travel safely down there. I remember there was a guy that met us that day as we pulled on with vans and trailers full of toys that were used for kids, clothes that were used for kids. We were just trying to show up and be a blessing. And there were about 600 kids there that day. It was absolutely insane. The kids were so excited because we'd been there the year before. 
And so they were so excited that they had told the other colonia down the road that we would be there. And they wanted to get to the toys so quick, so badly and so quickly that they started shaking our van. We thought we were going to turn over. It was like scary, but crazy. And so we didn't know how to stop them. But this guy walks over and he goes, hey, he gets everybody's attention. And he's like, stop it. Line up in a line. You know, and this is a guy that we've never met. We'd never laid eyes on in our whole life. And he gets in there and he like, puts these kids in line. It was like he was like a, a librarian or something. Shelly, all respect. Alicia, all respect. Like, he just put them in line, told them to line up, and everybody, you know, all the kids are like, oh, yes, sir, you know. And I asked him, I was like, well, what do you do? <laughs> what gives you all of this? He said, I'm a taxi driver. <laughs> I was like, really? He's like, yeah, I'm a taxi driver. And, and I said, what do you, what's going on with that? He said, I've been up all night. We were probably there about 10 a.m., something like that, handing out these toys and clothes and all these fun things for the kids, little candy, all this stuff. And the guy said, I, had, I just planned on going home today, but instead, I want to help you guys. So he saved us. We thought we, we thought we had it all figured out. We were clueless. We thought we had a good plan. We had nothing that was going to work. He made it work. He brought us from the bad direction we were going and pulled us right back on this path, and he showed up. And so I, if you guys don't know, I like watches. I like watches a lot, and uh, that doesn't mean I spend a lot of money on them. It just means I like them a lot. And uh, so I had a watch that I'd paid like 20 bucks for, and I didn't have any money to give or anything like that, but I took off my watch and I said, he, he said something about it earlier in the day, and he pointed and he said, you like, you know, I like that. So I basically said, do you like that? He said, yeah. And I said, uh, I want to give it to you, thanking you for what you have done today. And I've got a picture, and he, he was not as well fed as I am, all right, uh, my watch hung a little long on his arm, <laughs> but he had his watch, this watch on and all this extra space, and he's like this, you know, in this picture that I've got. I need to go back and find that thing. But that was such an incredibly special day that the young man could have easily missed, and we would have had a terrible, horrible, rough time, except for his intervention. God pulled him off the sidelines, and he said, Yes, and everything changed. So I ask you the question, what situation is God pulling you off the sidelines? You were planning on going home and going to bed, metaphorically speaking, but God is pulling you into something else and some other circumstance that you didn't know that he had for you. But in the midst of it all, you are being called off the sidelines and getting in the game and getting in the plan of God to accomplish his purposes. That's where life begins. The truth is, is for many of us, we are barely living. We're barely living and we know it in our heart of hearts. We're not even scratching the surface of making the impact that we could and should be making but we're there, we're putting one foot in front of the other, but we're not living according to God's plan and making the impact that God would have us to make. So I invite you to make the decision that you'll get off the sidelines and that you'll get involved in what God has. It begins with what Mary said. 
what Mary said is, may it be unto me as you have said. She submits not because it's easy, not because if I do this, my life will be easier or better. She signs up and volunteers for a difficult path, but she walks it because she knows that's the one that God has pointed out for her to walk. And when she begins, she realizes, I'm on the path that will take me down in everybody else's eyes, but will elevate me in God's. I'm on the path that right now seems like nobody wants to switch places with me, but in 30 years, people will say, what a life you lived. I wish I had made those kinds of choices. Folks, most of the time, we're not thinking about what our lives look like. We're thinking about putting one day on top of another and one foot in front of the other. And we never realize that God has a greater plan. And he reminds us of that with his plan of Christ's birth. But can I remind you, just common, ordinary people, just like you and just like me, that when God tapped them on the shoulder, instead of pretending they didn't hear, instead of walking the other direction, they said, may it be unto me as you have said. Your will, not mine, be done. Very few of us are doing that these days. And all of us have the opportunity for greatness by serving someone else and changing their life and their situation by getting connected, getting involved, and being a part of that. Now, I'm going to jump all the way to the I apply by because my time is gone. But let me just share this with you, this I apply by very quickly. Here's what I would encourage you to do. If you wonder what this looks like in a real live action, here's what it does. Act on hope. Do an act of service for someone this week, someone who needs hope. That may be somebody who is having a really rough time during the Christmas season because of family that's no longer here difficulty with family that they have, whatever it is, somebody who financially needs help. It, it goes on and on. The list goes on and on. Somebody who's dealing with something that is different than what they ever thought they'd be facing. Act on that. Be an element of hope in their life and tell them that you want to be a blessing because of your faith. Now, here's why this matters. Because some people will have you get involved in their life and they'll go, what a great guy. What a sweet lady. What a kind soul. And that's where we kind of shift focus and say, no, 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 no. It's not this from here. It's from here. This is not me trying to be a good person. This is me trying to live up to what Christ has done for me, what he has commanded me to do. I'm doing this not because I'm a good person, but because he has told me that I'm supposed to be involved and connected to people and I'm supposed to be a little bitty light of hope because he is the one who gives us all the thrill of hope. The weary world begins to rejoice because Christ has come and everything's different when he comes. So this is your way to apply this message. It's common, ordinary people pulled from the sidelines and pulled into the middle of God's plan and a submission to him to accomplish his will and do it his way.